Parliament stormed back into action this week, beginning its 54th term, with fury and fanfare both in and outside the debating chamber. This government has opened the floodgates of hatred towards Māori. And the moment you challenge their authority, they start shouting out the easiest cowardice answer, racist. Kia ora ko Craig McCullough-Kahoe and a te apurongo tōrangapumo tēnei wiki. Welcome to Focus on Politics. I'm Craig McCulloch. As politicians arrived on Tuesday to be sworn in as MPs, they were greeted by protest. Hundreds of activists massed on Parliament's forecourt with a challenge. The protests stretched the length of the country, thousands of people objecting to the new coalition's direction and to party Māori leading the charge. What are we all here for? The chants and honking horns travelled through Parliament's walls, inside to where Nationals Caucus was meeting. Christopher Luxon on the defensive when talking to reporters. So I think it's pretty unfair, you know, to be honest. I think the reality is we're a government for a week. We are going to get going and get things done for Māori and for non-Māori, and that's, that's what our focus is going to be. His coalition partners went further, with both ACT and New Zealand First dismissing the protests as anti-democratic. Well, it seems that Te Pātū Māori play a game called heads I win, tails you lose. Had they won the election, I'm sure they would want everyone to respect their democratic right to implement their policies. Having lost the election, they won't respect that right uh, for anyone else. It is preposterous that the Māori Party should think that they are the authentic voice for Māori New Zealanders. I remind everyone again, that party got less than 3% of the vote and a lot of their party voters were not Māori. A lot of them were hippies. Te Party Māori's co-leaders were making no apologies. Here's Debbie Naruapeka. We have a population where 70% are under the age of 40. They have views and they're not going to tolerate what is coming out of this, this government's policy platform. So that was the start and I expect that will continue to grow. Um, we still haven't caught up with all the socials but I think that we'll see more and more hopefully um, supported by us and some run by themselves. It's do you know great. anything about what might be planned? Yeah, we do, but um, you need to wait and see. <laughs> wait and see. A threat and a promise. The Party Māori is determined to make its presence known at Parliament, having tripled its size. The first sign of that came on day one in the debating chamber. The swearing-in of MPs is a procedure steeped in tradition and law. Every person required to pledge allegiance to King Charles with the exact wording of the oath or affirmation prescribed. I, Christopher Luxon, swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to His Majesty King Charles III, his heirs and successors, according to law. So help me God. I, Christopher John Hipkins, solemnly, sincerely and truly declare and affirm that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to His Majesty King Charles III, his heirs and successors according to law. The pledge is a legal requirement for MPs if they wish to sit in the House and cast a vote and can be read in English or Te Reo. Te Pāti Māori objects to the practice, believing it to be a colonial constraint and in contradiction to the equal partnership promised by Te Tariti. And so, one by one, each of the party's six MPs stood and strayed off script, first declaring and then signing an oath of their own. I swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to our mokopuna, according to Tikanga Māori. I will perform my functions and duties and exercise my powers in accordance with Te Tiriti or Waitangi. Te Tiriti. Te Tiriti. 
Each MP then proceeded forward to the clerk of the house to do what was required. Though close listeners may have noticed that three of the MPs referred to King Charles with a curious choice of te reo. The word harehare can also be translated as scab or skin rash, a point that did not escape New Zealand First's Shane Jones. They're, they're trying to make fun of the, of the transliteration hare, which if said as harehare is kind of a transliteration of Charlie, but it also means something objectionable. So, so do, do you take offence to that? Should the clerk have sworn them in, or do you, do you just think wade it through as part of the act? Oh, look, I think the, the guts of the uh, oath was addressed by them, but know this from me. I put my Māori language ability up against anyone in this house, and when I detect that the language is being used for cultural bullying, they're going to meet a bigger bully in the form of matua. Hare is another name for Charles. Hare Hare is another name for Charles. I had an uncle called Daddy whose name was Charlie. Always provocative. The provocative display in its whole was by and large welcomed by Labour, with Willie Jackson applauding the innovation. Look, I think it was very challenging. I thought it was uh, well done on their, on, on their part, and, and they're challenging the House. And the good thing with the House is they're finding ways to accommodate the, the tikanga. But the three coalition partners were less impressed. They chose to do it their way. I suspect that Tabati Māori's real problem is that lacking serious policy solutions, uh, they're in the drama business. The kapahaka theatrics are um, excessive. This is not theatrics, this is about our cultural identity and expression in this house and we will continue to do that. The clear battle lines drawn for the term ahead. The conflict continued on Wednesday with a traditional speech from the throne written by Christopher Luxon and delivered by Dame Cindy Kiro. The change in regime was unmistakable as the country's first Wahine Māori Governor-General spelled out the agenda for the next three years. Strong and stable government. The new government is committed to delivering, to getting things done. The so-called Ute tax. The explosion in gang numbers. The Māori Health Authority will be disestablished. It set the scene for a bare-knuckle battle in Parliament as each party responded. A brutal exchange first between Christopher Luxon and Chris Hipkins each settling into their new roles and new seats in the chamber. New Zealand is under new management. What we heard was a plan to take New Zealand backwards. Chris Hipkins started the last term with the the, the biggest majority in MMP history in New Zealand and is starting this one with one of the most humiliating defeats for the Labour Party. This could well be the most shambolic beginning of any government in New Zealand's history. Why is he still here? Why is he still here after squandering and decimating an absolute majority in just three years? The rhetoric that we've seen in the last 24 hours is simply disgraceful. He is actually like an arsonist who, having thrown an accelerant all over the joint and lit the place up, he just simply loiters and hangs around at the scene of the crime, actually just waiting and watching everything. The Greens' Marama Davidson also had her say. To Mr Luxon, Mr Seymour and Mr Winston Peters, I do hope you will take some comfort knowing that every time you arrive in Wellington for work, you are arriving in a green electorate of Rungatai and you travel through another green electorate of Wellington City to get to Parliament. As did ex-David Seymour. And that's why they're over there and I hope that they stay over there for the sake of New Zealand for a very, very long time. But perhaps the most fierce face-off was again on the grounds of race, with Winston Peters of New Zealand First taking on Rawiri Waititi of Te Māori. Māori will not be assimilated. Māori will not be subjugated. 
Marty will not be silenced. You're heading straight to the bottom pile, claiming to be what you're not, the voice of Mari. Uh-uh, no you're not. And never will be. And certainly not someone who is so decolonized he wears a cowboy hat. You're gonna see this mucho and his hat for a long, long time there, uh, Winston. And you're gonna get used to it. You better get used to it. Oh no, you can wave and do all the hugging and put the hoo feather in your hair, but it doesn't belong there. This coalition presents the last gasp, Mr. Peters, of a generation and demographic who are terrified of no longer being the majority. I am pleased New Zealand First is back and not a day too soon, because this sort of humbug is going to stop. But the conflict certainly is not. TVNZ's Deputy Political Editor, Mikey Sherman, joined me and RNZ's Corin Dan on Morning Report to talk through the week and to look ahead. This is just the beginning and that's what protest organisers and iwi leaders have been saying. It's a major warning to the government uh, to be careful on this one. Uh, look, I don't think anyone was expecting to see the numbers that turned out mm. on that Monday across the country. Now you imagine if they call those people down to Parliament all together, you will get more than that. You could get ten times more than that and that's not going to go away for the government. It's It's massive and it's not a great start to the to the opening of parliament. Yeah, I mean, watch out for Waitangi and, and Arata in the next year, the, the National Hui, that'll be one to watch who turns up there. I mean it's been framed as this call for unity and, and, and all are apparently invited but depending on who turns up it could actually prove to be quite divisive. Christopher Luxon has said he doesn't think that these protests are going to continue throughout this term that, that his government will deliver for Māori that Māori will do better under his government than the previous but I think it's, it's wishful thinking to think that these protests are going to go away. The government has pro- proposed a, a significant shift when it comes to a, a whole range of Māori issues, and it would—it's naive to think that mm-hmm. they won't be pushed back. Uh, the response from was interesting to watch uh, Winston Peters and Shane Jones push back pretty hard and direct their criticism very clearly at the Māori Party. What did you make of that, Mikey? Honestly, I think we're going to see a clash of the titans there between Te Pāti Māori and New Zealand First because we have to remember that Winston Peters and Shane Jones, they are rangatira in Te Ao Māori. Whether you agree with their politics or not, Shane Jones in particular has a depth of knowledge, a wealth of knowledge that is, you could argue, unmatched in Parliament, and particularly when it comes to language. And he made that comment uh, on the bridge. He said, look, if Te Pāti Māori is going to use the language as a bullying tool, in which you know I'm referring now to uh, the calling of uh, King Charles uh, Kīngi Harehare, uh, that there is a bigger bully uh, in Parliament in Matua Shane. And so we are going to see a big, big fight between those two parties this term. Good luck to you. Yeah, good luck to Jerry Brownlee as the new speaker. Um, I think just on national, uh, Christopher Luxon, his position so far has basically been to plead for patience basically saying, give us more time, give us a chance, we're only just, we've only just got in, we're just getting warm, they're just getting the seat warm, um, which, is of, which is true, of course, but also it's not like the government's direction is a secret. It's been on display, the 100-day plan, the coalition agreements, that is what people are protesting. And although it's true the coalition parties, they have a mandate for change, they campaigned on these changes and they, they won the election, um, these people have a, have a right to protest. Uh, they have a right to um, protest the, 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 the election result, as it were, and the direction. And as Chris Hipkins has pointed out, people who voted for National 
they may not have realised exactly what they were getting once you add in, say, act in New Zealand First policies into the mix. The, the problem for, for Christopher Luxon and, and, is that he and Nicola Wister have made very, you know, they want to make the economy number one focus, mm-hmm. inflation, cost of living, and they are now having to deal with a much bigger, d- different issue. Is there any sense that they would give ground on some of the um, areas in, in terms of Māori? I mean, you know, you think back to, say, uh, Helen Clark and the closing the gaps. Look, he, he doesn't want she to She backflipped on that. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to be known as a div- divisive or divisive prime minister. He doesn't want his legacy to be one of these nationwide protests. Like you say, he wants to be talking about the cost of living and improving people's lives. This is a big problem for National, but also National campaigned on a lot of these changes. The disestablishment of the Māori Health Authority, the end of co-governance, the, the rollback of te reo bonuses, for example. That's all National policy. So to see movement back from that, I, I think... At this point, I think it's unlikely. If Christopher Luxon wants to regain the narrative and shift the focus back onto the economy, then he really needs to get on top of this issue. Because I agree with what you were saying earlier, Craig. He's been minimising this entire debate. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is, in some respects, quite naive. Because we saw the numbers out there. We've seen the proclamation from the Māori king calling a nationwide hui. This is going to be a big problem for the government. And Christopher Luxon saying things like, oh, look, we just want to change the government department names so that people can navigate their government better. That is, you know, the least of it. Actually, the treaty bill that ACT is bringing through is the big concern. And yes, I know that on the campaign trail, both New Zealand First and National minimised the referendum. They said it wouldn't be helpful. So the expectation, therefore, is that they wouldn't support it beyond that first reading. But that's not a given. And Māori certainly won't be taking the word of a Prime Minister who has agreed to bring this in. He kind of, I thought he was fairly explicit yesterday in the House on that. I mean, was he? did he misspeak? I mean, he, he basically said in a question... Uh, that, well, it was not that clear as to which bill he was referring to, was it? That that, that, that it wouldn't progress past the Select Committee stage when he was asked about the, the he, principles said it, issue. he said it would go no further than Select Committee, yes, which I think might have been a surprise to ACT because I, I, earlier commitments were that, that you know it would get reconsidered at that point, that it would go to that And point. ACT wants to try and re- convince them uh, to absolutely. do it, right? And, and it wants to have that public debate and it said it, that the onus will then be on it to convince its coalition partners and the public about that future direction. Look, I think David Seymour probably is right to be surprised by that, um, uh, that statement from Christopher Luxon because, you know, they're, they're in a coalition. The expectation is, look, mate, at least let me have my day in select committee before you start uh, poo-pooing it all together. Um, but look, if Chris, and I think that's probably a sign that Christopher Luxon is feeling the pressure and he needed to kind of, mm. you know, make a, make a position. Can I ask you something, Mikey? Do you think, is the, is Christopher Luxon needs to go to Waitangi, does he? I mean, is the best approach here to front up to Waitangi... Um, you know, even though it may be very volatile and there might be a lot of criticism, but front up and talk talk to people. Is that going to be received far better than if he doesn't go? Oh, absolutely. There is no option of not going. I mean, it would be bad in terms of strategy for Christopher Luxon. And the thing is, is that he is quite good at talking to people. We saw that on the campaign trail. He, they just need to get their messaging right. If he's coming out yesterday and he's saying, look, it's not going to go beyond select committee, he should have said that on Monday. He could have said that on Tuesday. You know, he's let this narrative and this kind of anger and frustration from Māori build up and build up to the point where you've got the Māori king again calling for a national hui. If Christopher Luxon wanted to deal with that, he could have done that on Monday.
he said his intention is to go to Waitangi, but it, it, what that actually means in practice uh, isn't clear yet. Does, will he be there on the, the actual day, for example? I mean, we saw this year he went up to Waitangi uh, for the day before, but then marked the day itself in Auckland, which is similar to what Bill English did, I think, when he was Prime and Minister. And Jacinda Ardern used to go for like almost an entire week yeah. leading up to Waitangi. So different approaches for different parties and different times. I, I guess Mr Lux is just going to have to decide where he lands. Not much time to decide with the end of the year bearing down. Waitangi will arrive before they know it. MPs have just two more weeks in the debating chamber before they knock off for Christmas. Plenty to ponder over the summer break. Let's focus on politics. I'm Craig McCulloch. Thanks for joining us. Matewa.